couple different passages for Sunday school this morning, but Proverbs 23. Set this down here. Amen. Well, in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 17 and 18 is the heart of the message this morning, the, the, the lesson here in Sunday school. And uh, the Bible says here, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. A few weeks ago for Faith in Blue Sunday, I was led to preach on the idea of the forecast, that there is a forecast, and the forecast is sure, and the one that gives and uh, 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 that made the forecast is, is 100% accurate, and the idea uh, for that message was really geared to, was written for the lost man. That message was written for those that maybe don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they might see that there's a forecast, that there is indeed an end of life, but not only that, there is a judgment day coming afterwards. And uh, the, the goal and ambition, of course, of that day was to strive to encourage those that were present, if they didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they might prepare and be ready for that day. But there's an application with regards to that sure end for the Christian as well. I did not take time to get into that on that day, but I want you to understand uh, that there's an application for us. The end is sure. The end is sure. And that's the title of the Sunday School lesson this morning. And this I will take and apply it to us. As believers, those that do know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because the end is sure, beloved, that's the reason that we have a day like faith in blue. Because the end is sure is the reason that we spend so much time and energy and effort in in trying to get the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's why we go out and pass out John and Romans on, on Saturday and, and other times. And that's why we have a track ministry where we encourage you to participate and take gospel tracks and pass them out as you check out at the grocery stand and as you get your checks cashed at the bank and as you're getting gas at the gas station and as you see your neighbor walking down the street. Just any opportunity we can to get the message of the gospel out because we know there's an end. That is a sure thing, and with that knowledge and that understanding, it behooves us to be investing in reaching the lost, getting that soul-saving message of the gospel to them. He says here, though, let not thine heart envy sinners. Let not thine heart envy sinners. What I want you to see is, beloved, if you're not careful... As a Christian, as somebody who already knows that they're on their way to heaven, we will reach the place in our life where we begin to envy the sinner. Look with me, if you would, in Psalm 73. We're actually going to be in Psalm 74 in the morning service. Don't look ahead yet. We'll get to that later. But Psalm 73 here in Sunday school. 
Would you read with me the first verse, emphasizing the section there, but up to the first comma, Psalm 73, I'm sorry, verse number 3, look down at verse number 3, and read with me verse number 3, he says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist in this passage, which is Asaph, a, a writer of uh, many of the psalms, uh, a singer of Israel, I don't know what's going on in Asaph's life. I don't know exactly what motivated him to write this particular, particular psalm, but I do know that he had reached a point where he was envious, where he, he looked at this world and he saw from his view, from his perspective, that it seemed like the world was really doing good. He was envious of them and, and their prosperity. But it was from a skewed point of view. You know, young people, I want to encourage you or let you remind you this morning, the world has nothing to offer. The world has nothing to offer. And I know that as we you look out at the world, especially young people that grow up in a, in a good, solid church and they've been, as it were, sheltered and, and, and kept from all the harms of the world. A lot of times they look out with a little bit of longing for the world and, and, and what's out there and think, boy, it looks so nice. It looks so appealing. It looks so appetizing. But I want you to understand this morning that what the world has to offer is but smoke and mirrors. There is no substance there. There is no validity there. There is nothing of real meaning and value. There's an old idiom which some of you young people might not know as much or be as familiar with, but it goes like this. It's called whistling in the dark. What the world has to offer is like that, like whistling in the dark. That, that thought or that idea when they say that they're whistling in the dark is the idea that, like, let's say, for instance, you, you were walking down a dark alley. And you pretty much knew you weren't going to get out the other side without getting mugged. I mean, you pretty much knew that this was a bad idea, that this, this is going to end bad. I'm going to be hurt before I get out the other end. But, but you just start whistling anyway. Just whistling like everything's okay. Like, hey, it's sunshine. It's summertime in my heart. It is summertime in my heart. Meanwhile, your heart is beating out of your chest because you know you're going to get killed, right? That's what whistling in the dark is. And I want you to understand that's what the world's doing. They're whistling in the dark. They're acting like they're pretending like everything's fine and everything's okay. But they don't have all the joy and the hope that's available to the Christian. The psalmist was envious. When he saw the wicked from his skewed point of view, look down with me at verse number 4. And uh, verses 4 to 12 are his view of the wicked from this skewed point of view. He says here, for there are no bands in their death. He's saying, hey, their death, there's there's no bands. There's nothing bad there. He said, but their strength is firm. There are not any troubles as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain, 
Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. I mean, it is not that. Sometimes you look out at the world and you think, boy, they got everything. They got more than heart could wish. I mean, you look at it and you think, boy, look at all the toys they have. Look at all the things that they have. Look at the big house they're driving. Look at the beautiful car that they have. You know, your, your neighbor's talking to you about his new car and tell you, yeah, I had my last car for 10 years and never had a wreck. And you got to say, well, I had a wreck for 10 years, never had a car. <laughs> you know, you, you just, you're looking at it saying, man, they got, they got everything. They got more than heart could desire. They got it all. Look at verse 8. He says, they're corrupt and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. He's saying they just full cups are poured out on them, just poured out on them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. And what I'm saying, young people and old alike, is if you're not careful, you will look at the world. You'll look at those whom the forecast is really not that good. But you'll look at them and you will become envious. You'll look at their life and you'll start to think, oh, look at all what they have. Look at how they're prospering. Look at, look at how they are, are benefiting day by day. It just seems like they're not having any troubles. It just seems like things are going okay for them. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll be like Demas, who forsook God, having loved this present world. He looked out and he saw all that the world had to offer and thought, you know, that's what I want. And he walked away from God. When what the world has to offer is empty. You'll get a false view of what you have with God. You'll get a false view of what it all means, you as a Christian, and what you're doing. You think, man, I'm, I'm going to church here I am in Sunday school. I, I've been, I'm participating in ministries. I'm, I'm serving God and, and, and look at all the problems I have. I'm, I'm trying to do everything, everything right. I'm trying to serve God and honor Him. I'm trying to do all this and, and, and look at where I am. You see, that's what Aphis, Asaph saw. Look at verses 13 through 16. This is his view of himself in light of that skewed view. Look what he says here in verses 13 through 16. He says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. I washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He says, I got clean in vain. I washed my hands and I'm doing right in vain. God has chastened me like one of his children and I've been under conviction and I've changed all these things in my life and I've done all of, all of that for nothing. I still have trouble. I still have problems. 
You see his, his skewed view uh, even of himself and of his work and of his effort. If you're not careful, you think, man, all this time going to church, for what? I, I, I surrendered and followed God. I've been given to missions. I've been tithing. I've been, I've been participating in re- outreach and giving tracts and doing all these things. And for what? He says in verse number 15, If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He thought about all that he was doing for God and all the time he spent in trying to be clean and trying to do right and trying to just yield to what God wanted him to do. All of the effort, and he thought it was for nothing. You know, if you're not careful, adult, you'll get to the point and you think, man, coming in for choir, giving up my Sunday afternoon, my nap time, for what? Coming in and being part of the security team and giving extra effort and, and working, working here at the church, for, for why? why? Why do I do that? Studying and preparing, there's people downstairs teaching Sunday school for all these kids and they come in and I walked through the classes this morning, a couple classes with just two kids in there. And in the class thinking, teacher might be thinking, well, why, why do I do this? To all this effort for just, just two kids, just three kids. You know, you, if you're not careful, you'll allow the devil to give you a skewed point of view. He says, be not envious of the wicked. And when Asaph was envious, this was his view of himself. When we're envious of the wicked, when we allow ourselves to look out at the world, we'll get this view. And this is not the view that God wants us to have. There was something that changed Asaph's view. Look in verse number 17. He said in verse number 17, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, then I understood their end. Then I understood that all of that perceived prosperity was meaningless. All of that perceived success and recognition had no value. There was nothing there of any substance. I want you to understand this morning, young people, I would not trade places with the most successful movie star in America today. Take, take the money out of it, regardless of the finances. Listen, there's one thing that God has blessed me with that supersedes and, and goes above and beyond anything that, that, that these movie stars can get in any type of recognition, and that is a family that loves me, a wife that is still with me. That loving and caring relationship that's there cannot be replaced. And the, the, the utter foolishness and the filth that goes on in, in Hollywood, people look at that and say, boy, I'd love to be a movie star. It's a mess. Their lives are miserable. Their lives are miserable. And ultimately, you can look and see the end of what that life has got them. And you say, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think that's what I want. Oh, I know when you're young, it's hard to see. But could you take the advice of some of the older people in here and realize there is no joy or success in that? It's empty. He understood their end. Beloved, there is an end for any who don't know God. And it's not pretty. And what's amazing is our heart breaks for people going through tragedy. You know, we're, we're moved with compassion when we see somebody struggling. I was praying and hoping that this thing in Ukraine would be done by now. So not only is it not done, it's intensified. It's gotten worse. And you look at that and, and, and your heart uh, goes out to them and you see homes that are destroyed and you see families, moms weeping on, on the news broadcast because their son was shot and killed in the street, wasn't even in the military, just killed and, and your heart breaks for them. You see boys, children who lost their mom and dad and, and, and your heart goes out to them. And you know what? There's, there's churches all over America today that are giving uh, financially to send humanitarian aid over to Ukraine. And that's great. I know of one church that's in, in excess of a million dollars that they've sent to Ukraine. That's wonderful. But you know something, Christian? People in Ukraine have been dying and going to hell since they became a republic in 1917. And I wonder how many of these churches saw that end. What I'm saying is we get a broken heart because a child has lost his mom and dad. But are we broken because we see the end that that mom and dad ended up in or the end that that child is going to end up in? The reason we serve God, the reason we have ministries, the reason we work so hard is because the world is lost and they're dying without Jesus Christ and ultimately the end is a whole lot worse than not having some food on the table tonight. The end is worse than not having enough clothes to be warm when it's cold. The end is so much worse than being sick and not having medical aid or care to meet the needs that you have. The end is an eternity in a place the Bible describes as hell. How broken are we as Christians over that end? Churches are moved today to send humanitarian aid to this country that's in need because of this hardship. And great, I'm glad. But where were the churches that were moved to send them a gospel message? We can raise a million dollars to send medical aid over there. But we can't raise a thousand to buy scripture. We need to have a proper understanding of the end. There is an end. He says, until I went in to the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He goes on in verse number 18. He says, surely thou dost set them in a slippery place. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they're utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. But I'm wanting you to see this morning is that what we do 
and what we give and the effort extended is for a reason. There's a purpose. Don't let Satan skew your thinking and say that it's in vain. Don't be envious of the wicked. But not only is there an end of the wicked, there's an end of the righteous. That too is why we must be so actively involved in reaching the lost. Because one day there's an end for us. And our ability or opportunity to share the gospel will be gone. He says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Surely there's an end. He said, listen, there's an end. And so because of that, you've got to live daily in the fear of God. Don't live daily and envious of what this world has. Don't live daily thinking about, oh, all of the prosperity and the success and the the toys that they have sitting in their driveway. No, live daily, all the day long in fear of God. Because there's an end for you and I as well. And we have a responsibility. We have a duty to remember to live in the fear of the Lord each and every day. What you're doing has a purpose. Galatians 6, 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You will reap if you faint not. But I'm saying, beloved, just keep on doing right. Keep on getting out here to church. Keep on being in Sunday school. Keep on singing in the choir. Keep on serving in the ministries, in the ushers ministry, in the security ministry, in the sound ministry. I've been working on a, on a schedule, uh, a, a, just a detailed diagram of the, of the church and the folks and where people are serving and where they're involved. There's some people got their name all over that thing. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like, oh, okay, this person serves right here. It's like, oh, they serve here and they serve here and they serve here and, and they're working over here. And, and some of you guys are running around like a chicken with your head cut off on a Sunday. You got to be over in the nursery and you got to be downstairs in Sunday school and you got to be in choir and you're supposed to sing a special and then you're back in the nursery. I mean, sometimes you think, man, it's, it's craziness. <laughs> be not weary in well-doing. Just keep on serving God. There's a reason. Listen, it might be hard sometimes, but keep being faithful because there is an end. There is an end. And you know, you you see the end of some things before the ultimate end that we're talking about. You know, I look here and I see some some younger families. You know, sometimes it's, it's hard raising kids. Some days it seems like all you're doing is disciplining those children, those gifts from God, amen. Some days it seems like they're a gift from the devil, like, oh my goodness. But you're training them and you're working hard and, and, and trying to keep them. And, 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 you know, some days you might think, I don't know, is it worth it all? Man, when you get up and you drag them to church and you get them to ministries and you bring them to activities and you're trying to keep them in God's house and get them to Sunday school and be here Sunday night and you think, man, it's so much work. It's so hard. I don't know. Is it worth it? It's worth it. It's worth it. 
you know, I look back here and uh, I see Miss Leanne, whose son Jacob is not a total disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jacob's doing good. Leanne, is it worth it? It's worth it. Oh, I know, especially as a young father, young mother, I know when you're working with those kids, man, the days are long. Some days they feel like they're never going to end. But how many of older folks can say the days are long, but the years pass fast? And it's worth it. When you reach that point and they rise up and call you blessed. When they honor you. When they honor God. You know, maybe you look at it and you say, well, Pastor Caleb, I haven't been doing really good in this area or that area. I haven't really been living in the fear of the Lord. Well, guess what? It's not the end yet. It's not the end yet. You know what they say, it ain't over till... (laughs) I'll let you plug in the whatever saying you want to say right there. It ain't over. You still got time. You still got, you can change from here on out. Ecclesiastes 7 1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment. In that same verse, he says, The day of death than that, the day of one's birth. He talks about a good name is better be chosen than he says the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. You know, when you were born, you were given a name. You didn't get a choice of that. You were handed that name. That's what you get. Tough luck. But you know what? The name you die with is up to you. The name you die with is up to you. You can decide to make that name whatever you want it to be. It's not the end yet. You've still got time and you can live daily in the fear of the Lord and bring honor and glory to God and let your name be one that's known as somebody that loves God, that loves people, that cared for his wife, that served her family, that was faithful until the end. Don't don't get to the end and, and have those that are tasked with putting you to rest trying to find something good to say. I've been in the funerals where people are are working hard to have something positive to say. I mean, in in private, before before the actual funeral, family members telling me, you know, he was the sorriest, honoriest, you know, meanest. Uh, I mean, just, I'm not talking because I got nothing good to say. Don't, Don't get to the end and be that person. It's not the end yet. You can still do something about it. Don't get to the end and have your testimony be one of these. Well, he used to go to church. He used to serve God. He used to do this. There was a time when he... Why not be faithful till the end? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Maybe you've been struggling. 
listen, the last chapter's not written yet. Better is the end of a thing. Maybe you've been messing up, been falling short, been giving in to, to Satan a little bit. Well, the nice thing is you can change that. The last chapter is not written. You can step up and you can start to live in the fear of the Lord daily because you know the end is coming. And listen, it's not that far off. You can get on fire for God today. You can do something for God while you still have time. Brother, Brother Bond, how, how old are you? 80? Brother John? 86. 86. I was going to say 84. Is he the oldest one in here? I know he's only got a couple years on a couple of the other guys, but <laughs> you're like, yeah, he's got us beat. But you know what? Still not the end. Still got some time. You can be an encouragement to the younger generation. You can be a help to them. You can let them see a guy that's faithful, that loves God and loves people. Brother John has, has his, own, his own heartaches. He has his own burdens and problems. But it's not the end yet. He's got the, the opportunity to still do something for God. Our text verse there, he says, For surely there is an end, and then he says, And thine expectation shall not be cut off. Now that word expectation literally means accord. Accord. I have accord here. And uh, let's hear you grab that cord. Hold on to it. So here's the idea. I have an expectation in my heart based on the promises of the Word of God. If you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. Amen. That he will give honor to his parents. He will rise up and call him blessed. I've got an expectation and a promise from God. And what he's saying, he says here, live every day in the fear of the Lord. Live every day with the knowledge that there's an end. There is an expectation. And as long as I continue to live every day in the fear of the Lord and I continue to do what God says about raising and training my children and trying to be honest to Him, there's an expectation. And God says that if you do that, your expectation will not. Be cut off. Doesn't cut. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> but when we go our own way and do our own thing, right? It gets cut off. You know, let me illustrate it like this. We're going to get in trouble here. Here, can you hold that? Don't, don't let go of it. You don't want, don't want to fail, okay? Hold on. We're going we're gonna to go right over everybody's head here because we're going to establish an expectation. You see what I know? I got to wait because, uh, Miss Trudy, we're going to go right over your head. Hold it up there. <laughs> okay, we're going to establish this. I want you to hold this side. Hold it tight. Now, you guys don't let go of that. You're going to mess up my illustration. Here's what I know. Young ladies... 
have a desire in their heart for somebody to love them. That's right. They've got a desire to have a passion, that, that relationship that just takes their breath away. That they, they long for that relationship. <laughs> now, I am really embarrassing these two. <laughs> They're looking for that relationship. And what I want you to understand is when you live in the fear of the Lord, there's an expectation, that passion that's in your heart that you long to have. God will give that to you. As long as you follow that line. But you know what? When you decide, oh, that's not the direction I want to go. Here, let go. And you decide to go another way. That expectation is cut off. That's good. That's good. You see, there's an end. If you just do what God says to do, if you bring honor and glory to God, if you fulfill His expectations, you'll reach your expectation. It's a promise from God. The Bible says it like this Be not weary in well doing. For in due season ye shall reap, if ye faint not. So my, my lesson this morning is, I know sometimes as we serve God, it gets wearisome. I know sometimes in the day-to-day, the days seem long, and we think, boy, is there ever going to be an end? But there is. And the expectation that you have will not be cut off if you just keep doing it. 